0: Welcome to A Long Time in Finance, the podcast that takes a sharp and sometimes acerbic look at the often absurd world of money through the eyes of two journalists who've, well, spent quite a long time in finance. That's me, Jonathan Ford, and him, Neil Collins. (laughs) Hello and welcome to A Long Time in Finance and today we're going to be talking about Bitcoin. It's one of your favourite subjects I think Neil. Absolutely. I talk in the Collins household is of little else. But alongside Neil who's full of ideas on this subject we've got a guest and it's Isabella Kaminska the outgoing editor of Alphaville at the Financial Times and I think an acknowledged expert on all this coin stuff. So welcome, Isabelle. Hello. Izzy.
1: Yes, hello. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be uh, one of your first guests, I think, in, uh, in your new podcast. You are
2: indeed. And we're looking not just for that. We're looking for enlightenment.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll, do, I'll see what I can do.
0: So why are we talking about Bitcoin? Well, we're talking about Bitcoin, I suppose, because uh, it's been going up a lot. And well it fell a lot. It's very volatile. Fell the huge sell-off fell about thirty per cent in a day, since when it's sort of been all over the place. And I suppose that made me think, you know, what is the point of <laughs> what is the point of Bitcoin? And oh is it something we should be worried about? Because it's it used to be a little tiny little speck on the financial horizon and it's now I mean, I was absolutely stunned to go through a list of a database where there are, as far as I can make out, 2,781 cryptocurrencies that are worth anything. From Bitcoin, the old sort of granddaddy of the whole thing, which is worth a trillion dollars, to something called NibbleCoin at the bottom, (laughs) whose 269,000 tokens are collectively valued at $95. I don't think that's going to cause much problem. And today I noticed that Crystal Palace Football Club is launching a Bitcoin or cryptocurrency for its fans. So it's kind of, it's trying to cash in on the idea of its, uh, that you can be a better fan, I suppose, by, by investing in some thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Could, could we start by a definition, please? Yeah. What exactly is it and what are you buying for your 1.7 trillion dollars?
1: As in, what is Bitcoin or what is cryptocurrency?
0: I think we're t- crypto, I think. I mean, the whole... But obviously, Bitcoin is the most important one. And well,
1: I think, I think it's worth differentiating because Bitcoin has different qualities to the entire spectrum of cryptocurrencies. Mm. Um, cryptocurrency in general, I mean, it, it's it says currency in the title, but I would say it's nothing like currency I and mean, you can't use it as currency. It's more of a token. It's more of a sort of strange new form of quasi equity, maybe with not very many rights. Yeah. Some, you know, it comes in all sorts of different flavors. So people who create their own bitcoins or c- crypto coins, right? Um, they can apply all sorts of terms and conditions and uh, applications to these coins. So really, it's a new type of like financing tool, um, but in most cases, the issue is what what is it financing, <laughs> and is it financing? You know, is it financing for the sake of financing, aka Ponzi, or is there actually an end goal to the financing and a deliverable product? Um, in the in the grand scheme of cryptocurrencies, you have two big flavors of of crypto. You've got Bitcoin, and you've got Ethereum. Ethereum is like a like a like an ecosystem in its own right, it's like an Amazon of crypto because within it you can issue tokens which can hold applications. So it has this idea of uh, some sort of utility being applied to these crypto tokens. But ultimately, I think um, it's it's about a type of token that can be issued by a decentralized system where there isn't any central issuer that you have to go to.
2: So I can see why it's attractive to
0: people who are issuing them
2: but it doesn't sound like anything very
0: attractive to me, but hang on but when you talk about applications on ethereum what do you what do you mean what sort of applications can so, I use it to buy something for example
1: well that's that's the biggest challenge so <laughs> far buying it like using it in the shops I mean there are more and more merchants who take it, but really ethereum is more of a a platform where say um you might create a like an NFT is the latest fad in applications. Right. This is a sort of pseudo <coughs> artwork which n- you which non-fungible you, token yeah. which can apply to artwork or any sort of uh, intangible uh, digital asset of any sort. It could, it had, you know, famously there was an NFT of Jack Dorsey's first tweet. Yeah. So it doesn't have to necessarily be an artwork.
0: You do one of your head. I have to say, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: not a lot the wiser. Uh, and if somebody wants an NFT of my head, then I'm very happy to com- accommodate them for just a million dollars, which sounds like a bargain. Yes. I think
1: the real um, value is that it's a sort of cr- it's, it's a cross between crowdfunding and um, trusted, you know, registration of these tokens that are issued by um, often a sort of autonomous organisation. So. Um, on Ethereum, these um, autonomous organisations are the ones that then use the power and democracy of markets to effectively create applications and ideas, Whether usually in the digital space, whether it's some sort of, you know... I, I no, can I, see, I, I can yeah, see
2: the attraction of um, crowdfunding, um, but uh, that's surely done with a specific object in mind, rather than... This, which appears to me to be much more diffuse, but you're well, saying that that's what happens on Ethereum.
1: Well, I think it, 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 it's it's a function of how digital um, and IT kind of uh, development works, in the sense that you know in the old days you'd come to market with a product idea and you'd raise funding and you'd you know you'd create a company out of it. Then the digital realm, um, there isn't. What I'm learning is that. You don't necessarily come to market with a product you iterate you iterate until you figure out what your audience wants as feedback and blah 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 and with these decentralized tokens there's often it's more of a kind of consensus based um movement that tries to create something of value that all these different community members want
0: let's be honest here Neil is still getting used to fiat <laughs> currencies, so you've I mean, just managed to utterly confuse yeah. him. Yeah. I, I think, so, I, but, I, think but, I get paper currencies
2: now <laughs> because they're very useful uh, tokens, even. Uh, uh, they yeah. are not only considered as a store of value, they're also a medium of exchange. I would like to, to concentrate, if we could, on the granddaddy of them all, which is Bitcoin. Yeah. And I still don't really understand what it is for.
1: Well, I think fundamentally it's it's a speculative asset, like that's its number one, uh, you know, raison d'etre at the moment is that you can use it as some sort of, especially now that it's becoming, um, an investment for institutions, right? They see it as a form of diversification. They can't afford to not be in that game because they see it as a, like a VIX type product. It has a different type of, um, performance relative to other, um,
0: so it's just it gambling. Surprises. That's what it is. It's basically I'm yeah. betting that it will be higher in a month's time,
1: and, and I put my money in the slot. Related to your other, um, I mean, I mean, in terms of portfolio diversification, right. that's another factor that comes into play. I think for the institutions, not so much for the punters. The punters are putting their money in it because so the like, number goes up.
0: So it's like a very liquid version of Ladbrokes. It's basically <laughs> I could do the same thing by going and betting on the horses with large sums of money but I'm just doing it with Bitcoin instead because I can do it on a computer Except,
1: Imagine if like, 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 there's a lot a of information asymmetry so if you're like a controlling member in the Bitcoin world or, or community or a exchange or one of these whales you have a lot of um, insight and insider knowledge about flows which allows you to win more often than not um, versus a punter who has zero knowledge so it's, it's a kind of merger no, I mean, of, sort of, of tape reading like the 1930s yeah, exactly like
0: I was going to say it's mm. me,
1: um, reminiscences of a stock operator
2: type it's, thing <laughs> it's, it's sort of worse than going to the, to the horses isn't it because if you go to the horses you can at least do an element of what we might call fundamental research check whether the old nags got four legs and see how it ran last time mm-hmm. to give you a chance before you put your money on I didn't see anything like that here your point about the insiders having more information is, I'm sure, is true, but the information is essentially only about who is doing what. It doesn't actually tell you it's, anything about the intrinsic value of what you're buying.
1: The intrinsic value of a bitcoin is a function of flow, as in how much money is coming into the ecosystem versus being pulled out, and then so it's stop and flow. And then there's. Um, just the cost of energy that's another input and then the other input is um, the complexity of the algorithm and any other sort of um, changes in the way that that um, processing is done
2: it's magic
0: no it's better than magic it's basically but 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 i just want to i want to drag 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 the conversation back to something else if i could i'm thinking about the, the sort of downsides or the risks of this thing i mean if you think about it, a lot of the sort of stories about cryptocurrency have been about scams, about, there's one with a thing called OneCoin, which was, I think it was a big BBC series about it, and, which is essentially just people running off the money. The other side of it is, you know, this incessant growth, because if Bitcoin is going to go up, you need to constantly widen, But like your Ponzi scheme type dynamic, you need to widen the group of investors. And of course... There's a point at which you know, you probably want to try and get as many people like you and me to put our savings in. Is that well? First of all, is that is it really suitable for that? And is it? Are we even there? Are we are we at a point now where retail investors? You see, I think we are sort of vaguely on the cusp of of it going into a steady retail retail market, and that would. To my um, mind, to be market. yeah. Oh, I think it's already in, in the, the retail, retail market. Already, but is that a, a that. is that a good thing? Is that a is that a good thing? Do you think? Do you um, think they should yeah. be flogging these tokens to Aunt Agatha?
1: I mean, you see, it depends who you speak to. If you speak to the Bitcoin maximalists, they are they are the ones competing competing with fiat currency. They just want to displace core currency, um, and from their perspective, that's that's an excellent proposition for Aunt Agatha or whoever um, because eventually she'll be protected from the incoming fiat collapse right so um, Ah. (laughs) 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 that's that's the Bitcoin maximalist perspective but I think the more realistic perspective is you know is is, are these um, retail investors aware of the risks that they're taking the fact that there isn't very much fundamental value to what they're investing in I, I would agree with the latter, but um, the Bitcoin maximalists would also say that we're still at the early phases of this because they don't see Bitcoin coming into its own until like the institutions allocate at least 20% of all their um, as, you know, asset value to, to Bitcoin, right? Um, at that point they also have a plan when, when you eventually get to the sort of steady state of uh, Bitcoin where it can't go up anymore, at that point it'll in their minds start to replicate a conventional currency and the miners won't be incentivized by the capital appreciation but by the interest that they can um, effectively, the the, the, the fees they can generate.
2: Could you just explain to me a bit about mining and why it continues to go on? I understand that there's a a theoretical limit to the number of these things that actually can be found Uh, and how does that work?
1: So mining um, used to be, back in the day, anyone could mine a Bitcoin because the amount of computer power that needed to be dedicated to it was very small. But these days, the, the, the way the algorithm works um, to essentially um, maintain a sort of gated... Uh, you don't want too much overproduction of Bitcoin, so the cost of energy used and the complexity of these algorithms goes up and up and up. So you have to be an industrial level Um, server farm to be able to compete. And then you have mining pools which are um, effectively also partially funded by um, like these mining pools. They're like lots and lots of different uh, people. Sorry, is
2: there a theoretical maximum to the number of Bitcoins that can be found?
1: Yes. So there's, there's the cap of 21 million Bitcoins.
2: Who's put that on?
1: Satoshi. Who is the inventor? A mythical group. inventor.
0: The, the mythical inventor. Mythical inventor. Oh, Satoshi, so, if you're out there,
2: so, get in touch. So, what is what is it about 21 million that is anything other than arbitrary?
1: It is largely arbitrary. So, if
2: he decided that 21 million, we'll go and find a few more. Mm. Uh, that he could, they could do that.
1: Yeah. I mean, they couldn't because who is they would they? need. Uh, the, the, so, to change the rules of the game you have to have consensus. So you have to think of this like Brexit negotiations. So you have
2: to... Oh, <laughs> well, as simple as that. Yeah, yeah so okay, if, you, if you
1: want to like change any func- any part of the protocol, you have to have at least a majority of the miners signing off on it. So if you can do, if you want to change 21 to 22, you'd have to lobby the miners. You'd have to go for a political process That's to... Yeah.
2: How many have been mined so far?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know actually. But, but we're, is it? We're, we're about halfway to 20? No, no, no. No, it's, we're about half, halfway to 21 minutes. Right. I, I don't quote that. And each energy. one
2: is harder to find because it requires a more complex algorithm to be solved. Is that In right? In
1: theory, but not necessarily, because occasionally you, you have miners pulling out. Um, like recently, China cracked down on miners, and that, that basically saw a lot of miners. Um, come out of the system they're now back because they've all moved to Kazakhstan and other areas but whilst they were Mm. migrating you had a a, a sort of
0: yeah that's why that's why I do that's what I don't like about mining it seems to be an enormous waste of energy and a lot of it effort uh, well you know in America they actually have a an old coal-fired power station which has basically turned itself into a bitcoin kind of manufacturing plant Mm so it can burn away and and all these people plug their computers into the station
2: you could of course make the same point about gold mining
1: yes and also um the bitcoiners would say that they because of the incentive because of the carrot to make this amazing wealth um they're highly innovative and so they are finding incredibly sort of green ways to um generate some of this bitcoin but even so it
0: just seems a waste of energy well, it
1: isn't. Innovative or not. One of the ways they are doing this now is uh, capturing um, flared gas. The gas that would otherwise be flared, which is totally redundant and wouldn't be used in any other shape or form. And so burning They're setting it. up yeah. these um, mining rigs at the source of, like, in North Dakota, at the source of these wells, and capturing the spare, the spare gas to, to, to power the mining rigs. So this gas would have been entirely, like, flared away and useless, so it's it's um, I think
0: that's quite innovative it's innovative well, it's I'll innovative. grant you that but I still think that there's 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 even if you assume a tremendous operation of these incentives uh and and because we're all buying bitcoin, of course it's very valuable for the miners so but you can argue whether i don't know i still in my old fashioned way think it's a bit of a misapplication of enormous amounts of energy um but uh but I suppose the other point, to drag it back again, one of the other points so I wanted to sort of touch on was, is there, I'm sort of thinking back to the kind of, you know, you could look at the, the way you can look at this and say it's just to contain kind of, you know, super ladbrooks clanking away in the on the internet or wherever, and uh, it doesn't really matter because it's in a parallel world outside the real world. But the question I've got for you is, is it really completely contained from the real world? Because... And, and the and the example I would use is go back to two thousand and the great dot com bubble, which everyone thought, well, you know, pets at home have gone bust. Who cares? And then what they discovered a few years later was, of course, all the telephone companies who pay lots of dividends or then stop doing were bust too because they had invested in all this equipment, which ultimately became quite valuable, but of course couldn't pay for itself the years and years because they were so far ahead. Are we in danger of having something? Because I look at things like whatever it's called, Coinbase. Is it Coinbase? Mm -hmm. Which one of these exchanges worth $60 billion. And they're all these SPACs listing every day. Is there not a danger that that whole process simply drags it out of this little confined thing into a thing where the real world is interacting with it and pushing capital right. into it. I think you're absolutely
1: right. I think you're absolutely absolutely right because in the early days of um, Bitcoin, you had sort of the, the the black markets of Bitcoin, which were not regulated and mm. every, and, and yes, they were dangerous. And you could lose your your money and your head, um, your but head? they were <laughs> literally <laughs> like in terms what? of contract killing and stuff. I'm not I'm not joking. Oh there was. There was some I mean in the early days it served it literally served as one of the kind of Wild West black yeah. markets and yeah. drugs and, and yeah. um, so no running. drugs anymore now. It's all well, very clean. I think they um, what has happened is that the regulators have tried to clean it up and as they've cleaned it up, they've onboarded a lot of these uh, you know, off off the books' um, exchanges into the light, they've put them... They've re- they forced them to do KYC and AML. They've forced them That's to declare... know your
0: client and... What is it? <laughs> I've no idea. Anti-money laundering? That's right. Okay.
1: And to um, share the data on their users with the tax so authorities. no chopping of heads
0: that ever goes on in the world.
1: And so in theory, they've been kind of regulated. Right. Um, and so now, actually, I would say the con- te- there is no containment containment because in theory if you're operating through a regulated exchange that has total um, non fr- fr- so-called frictionless access to the dollar markets so the idea was if you come into our rule book yeah you can have in and out access to um, dollar and fiat and conventional currencies. The equivalent is the euro dollar markets back in the day if you recall mm, when they were off-grid and, yes. um, and then they were brought into the fold. This is a Belgian dentist
0: in the yes, old, exactly. that's the old uh, myth.
1: But now that they're regulated there is, no, there is no differentiation. In theory it's all in the same okay. But could something
0: bad happen as a result of that?
1: If the regulators have mispriced it, yes, absolutely. Or mispriced it. Well, who's misunderstood it? Misunderstood, and, and, and in a way that has led to a mispricing of the stock, you know.
0: So it could get really, really big, and then there'd be a spectacular explosion, implosion, and everyone would go running around to the SEC or whoever and say, You've yeah. lost all my money. Exactly. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. Like like that famous sort of those Ponzi schemes they had in Russia in the nineteen nineties, which yeah. always get used to go bust. But anyway, you're looking very skeptical and worried, Neil. Well I am, because well, I think,
2: <laughs> because I don't really think that uh, I don't I don't really think that A the the uh, the black money has disappeared. I'm sure it's still there. And B, I'm not really convinced that uh, if people lose their money and scuttle off to the SEC, that the SEC would take any notice because ev- barely a day goes by without some regulator saying you could lose everything here, don't do it.
0: Yes.
1: Um, so I, I'm i not so convinced about the black market thing because nowadays, uh, not that I personally know any drug dealers, but it is actually very hard mm-hmm. to trade so-called dark Bitcoin, which is n- Bitcoin that isn't registered to some sort of regulated exchange. Mm. It's really hard to get it. Um, and if you want to cash out, there's just no way of doing it so, without, um, uh, without so, being in a So a regulated the, market. The, the
2: owners of Bitcoin are all mm. essentially registered with these exchanges, are they? So that we know who they are. Yeah. But, well, it. if
1: they're not, then they, there's no way for them to cash out into real dollars. They'd have to let, live and die and deal every day with just Bitcoin.
0: So if I had a little wallet, which I'd got, In the nineteen ninety or two thousand and eight or whenever. Well, I'm Satoshi. Let's say I'm Satoshi, (laughs) and I have my little wallet under the bed, Mm. and I get it out one day, and I say I'm now going to go and cash in. Do I then have to register with somebody to get my money out? Exactly. So we'd then find out who Satoshi really was.
1: Yes, exactly. Unless he got, unless he was known, unless he was able to get a black market loan using that as collateral <laughs> right. or some sort of other very okay, you know, was very uh, yeah. that's, that's very complicated.
0: That's very complicated.
2: Or of course, unless he's forgotten the password. Well, of <laughs> course, that would
0: be that would be very sad. if That was the case. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's justice
2: <laughs> myself, but still. But of course,
0: that will yeah yeah yeah. Um, Anyway, so Neil, your your thoughts, you've you've been looking increasingly concerned. (laughs) Uh,
2: Well, I think um, (laughs) I've learned quite a bit from Izzy's teaching and I'm very grateful for it. And I'm also grateful for it reinforcing my belief that these things are not for me or indeed for the vast majority of individuals. And in my view, the vast majority of institutions because if they think this is an alternative asset class, they are deluding themselves. If they want an alternative asset class, there is one called gold, which has uh, has um, stood the test of time over a very long period. And although it has zero intrinsic value, it has you been accepted, it as, it has accepted as a store of value over thousands of years, rather than just thousands of days, which is what uh, Bitcoin has uh, has managed and i think it is essentially a ponzi scheme and i think it's a really bad idea
1: so i won't be seeing you in the metaverse with uh, purchasing <laughs> your that,
0: that is really <laughs> vanishingly unlikely i can assure you it was still with, your, we're still wrestling with we're still wrestling with dial up dollars, internet here yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think you're very welcome to the metaverse and I hope you're very happy there I think right. I prefer the real world
0: well I've I've I, 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 I got some sympathy with that but I you know I possibly hedge myself by buying up the entire world stock of nibble coin oh, <laughs> just, just right. in case just oh. in case I turn out to be wrong I'm, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid you're doing the past it's only $95 you're no, doing Pascal's <laughs> wager of crypto I like I'm afraid that. I might bid, outbid you for you know, $100 uh, for so dollars okay I'll $2. go I'll to the other. I'll, I'll go to the two hundred and seventy and eightieth It'll be funny when
1: Nibblecoin like goes up to like you know. Yeah, like by nibble Nibblecoin, folks. <laughs> On oh, the back <money laughs> of for instance or you could be the Elon Musk um, yeah. of uh, of
0: yeah, Nibblecoin. Yeah, I'm gonna name my children after <laughs> Nibblecoin, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nibblecoin. <Okay. Yeah. laughs> Right, confused with nipple well, I think we've <laughs> oh dear I think we've mined this subject for all it's worth I think we have and on the basis of uh, like bitcoin there being always too much of a good thing 21 million d- bitcoins of it I think we're going to stop there so thanks very much Izzy very Great. nice to talk to you <laughs> That was a long time in finance with Neil Collins and Jonathan Ford. The words were by us and the podcast was edited by Teddy Phillips. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe to the series on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week on Friday morning with another edition. See you then.